Welcome to the What's That podcast. My name is Ernie Stone. And I am Thomas Hebert. We'd like to thank you for joining us today. Hey everyone, we are uh, excited to be back. Uh, thanks for joining us and I guess I'm just repeating all the stuff that's in our pre-recorded <laughs> introduction. Uh, we haven't been, uh, we haven't recorded a podcast for the past three weeks. We were supposed to last week and then I had to cancel on poor Thomas so he got the chance to go golfing. Right. Um, instead, and I heard he had a wonderful game of <laughs> golf. So, um, <clears throat> but we are back today, and uh, we are just going to kind of dive into our topic of the day uh, because it's one that may take a decent amount of time, or as you said last night, we could be done in four minutes. Right. Let's see where it goes. Uh, today we're we're talking about the issue of race um, and the church. I guess, so we'll tie it together. So I I think part of it will kind of focus on just the question of race in our culture, uh, in our our country even, uh, because it's a pretty hot hot button issue. Um, But then specifically how it plays into what's going on in the church today as well. So there are a lot of different ways that we can take this conversation. I know you have done a lot of research. I've done a probably just a small fraction um, of what you've done. So I, I guess uh, maybe a good place to start um, is, is there a problem in our world when it comes to race? Um, and maybe more specifically in our, in our country and in our culture. And what exactly is that problem? Um, before we get there, let's start off with what racism is. Oh, that's a that's probably even um, a better place to start. If you live in America and don't know what racism is, I don't know where you've been for the last <laughs> 150 years. Um, so I just have a kind of a generic mm-hmm. definition of it. Racism is not identifying cultural differences. There are differences in right. culture. Um, racism is a trending attitude that holds one's own race as superior to others. And um, racism is also, hang on, I can't even read what I wrote here, (laughs) Um, when holding a specific race inferior to another. Okay. So it's a superiority complex. Correct. And holding an inferiority towards other Other races. races. Yep. Based purely off of race. So this isn't... This isn't talking about social class. This isn't talking about gender. Yes. This is specifically um, talking about race and ethnicity. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so if that's what racism is, then I think the probably the biggest question that we have to ask to even start to narrow some of this conversation down is, does racism still exist? And the reason I say still is because there have been times in our history as a country... Yeah. Where it has been very, very clear that racism was running rampant. Um, you think of slavery, you think of Jim Crow laws, you think of segregation in schools and things like that. Um, we have moved past all three of those things, mm-hmm. but are we to a point where we would say racism no longer exists in our country? I mean, absolutely not. Right. I don't, I don't if you turn the news on, then right. anywhere. There probably are people who claim that. I, I'm sure there are lots but of people who claim neither that. of these podcasters <laughs> would say that in any way, shape, or form. So how how do we see it today? How does it look today? Um, today, we're just skipping over some stuff. We're going back. We're going... Okay, so slavery. <laughs> Yes. Which is what people think of when they think of racism. They okay. think of slavery. Right. It was abolished in 1865. Okay. Um, the Civil Rights era, so Martin Luther King and everybody. Right. Took place 1954 to 68. 1968. Okay. So you're looking at 100 years before um, the, the minority people said, okay, this is enough. This is not right. right. So and a lot of a lot of the majority use the Bible as ways to kind of hold hold okay. people down. Right. Um, I mean that's been our country's history. That's 
Um, Unfortunately, been the history of humanity as well. Right. right? Um, so today, fast forwarding a lot, I feel as if we think we don't, it's not necessarily what, hmm, did not write this right. Um, it's, it's an attitude towards people. It's not, okay. it's not, you use this water fountain. This is my, right, right, right. Um, which is again, is ridiculous, but, uh, <laughs> I'm going to say that a lot. This right. <laughs> um, but it's, it's kind of those people do such and such. Right, right, right. And it's not just, it's not just black versus white. It's, I mean, it's every, all sorts of, yeah, um, absolutely. And so I think that probably the reason that there's a lot of folks who say, no, racism does not exist any longer is because they're looking and they're seeing slavery is no longer, um, at least slavery in, in the way that it was in our country yeah. uh, 150 years ago is no longer going on. Um, forced segregation right. is no longer going on, though I think it's clear that there is still some yeah. segregation uh, happening. We don't have Jim Crow laws. We don't have, uh, you know, this laws that say that people make up a fraction of a person for their vote and yeah. and things like that. And so I think people will look and say, because those things are no longer happening, then racism must be dead. Right. Now, first of all, the way that you define racism, we can see evidence of that in the news. Mm -hmm. We can we can see people who will very willingly say that they have an attitude towards another race um, that would classify them as inferior. So right there, we can't say it's gone. Right. Um, but the bigger issue here may be that it's a bigger deal than what many of us will give it credit for. Yes. Uh, and, and that's, I think, what you're getting to, this, this idea of um, there's an attitude that people had where they would not come right out and say, you know, because of my beliefs, I believe somebody shouldn't get the same stuff that I get or be yeah. able to use the same goods or things that I use. Um, and yet there's still an attitude there. Um, yeah, I, I agree. I, th I think that that is still a really big deal. I see glimpses of that in myself. Yeah. Uh, and I think that if people are honest, probably a lot of people have some of that attitude mm -hmm. uh, where we look at other people and we say, I don't really get what's going on over there. And then it turns into a condescending view of them. Yeah. Would you agree with that? Yes. Hmm. So um, I'm going to be referencing this book Divided by Faith, um, by Michael Emerson and Christian Smith. Uh, the subtitle is Evangelical Religion and the Problem of Race in America. Um, one of the things that I appreciated very, very much in this book is they said, let's get away from using the word racist. Okay. Because as soon as we use that, people shut down. Mm -hmm. And people who might have raci racist attitudes would still be able to say, no, I'm not racist because I'm not enslaving people, stuff yeah. like that. Um, and they instead use the term racialization. Okay. Um, and basically what they define racialization as is that your skin color matters in our country. Mm -hmm. um, whether you are white or black is going to give you different opportunities, um, different... Uh, possibilities for wealth management and wealth accumulation, things like that. And so they do a lot of research. They get into, uh, in chapter one, it's called Confronting the Black-White Racial Divide. Uh, they show the results of polls that show a divide in job opportunity, quality of education, accumulation of wealth, quality of housing, medical care, etc. Right. And whites always have the better of all of this yeah. stuff. And so... Man, we just have to look at that, and we have to be able to say, yes, this is going on. Mm -hmm. um, and yes, it's an issue. I don't know. What what other thoughts do you have about all this? Um, I, I want to say that I don't think the church 
intends to be racist by any means. I'd hope I, not. I, right. Uh, I have a bunch of scripture that will go through that. But that'll be later. Uh, but, I mean, uh, a stat I found that churches in America, for churches in America, 87% are made up of only white or black members. Hmm. So 87% of our churches are completely segregated. Right. Right out of the gate. Um, and, I mean, if you think how many churches are in Hayworth? <laughs> like 37,000? Like, no. Let's see, two, three. There's like eight or five nine. Five or six, Five I or think. six? Yeah. So, I mean, if you, if, if you only had like one that was more than just all white or all black. Right. You would be miles ahead of. Oh, yeah. The national average. Um, which is kind of sad. That is sad. One out of every five is above the national average. <laughs> well, you think of that, 13% then is integrated. Right. Um, you know, have have people of multiple races coming together to worship. Um, so why do you think that is? Um, it could be literally a location thing where, um, as you said, the housing, especially here in Illinois, mm-hmm. you know, Chicago and their housing disaster they have yep. up there where the inner city is dominated by African-Americans. And so they're going to go to a church close to their house. And then the suburbs are dominated by right. um, white people. Yeah, absolutely. And so they're going to go to the church that's near their house. Yeah. Um, so that has a little to do with it. I mean, I, I think a lot of it has to do with comfort. Um, mm. How... How how deep you want to get this early? Oh, let's all right. Go right into it. <laughs> An article written by Campbell Robertson. Um, she's a it says it in here what she is. She's a teacher. She's a a black teacher. Of let me find it real quick. Uh, she's a professor of practical theology. Okay. At McAfee School of Theology in Atlanta. Okay. Um, so someone who's smarter than both of us. Right. I, I, I don't know. Um, very much so. She, uh, <laughs> she wrote, I'm just going to read this cause I, I'm not going to do anything. Black congregants, um, had already grown easy. This is like halfway through the article, uh, had already grown uneasy in recent years as they watched their white pastors fail to address police shootings of African Americans. They heard prayers for Paris, prayers for Brussels, for law enforcement, um, they heard that one should keep one's eye on the kingdom, that the church was colorblind, and the talk of racial injustice was divisive, not a matter of the gospel. Um, I don't know what church she went to. Uh-huh. I don't know what church she went to. Um, it goes on to talk about the election that just happened. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you want to get into that or not. but Right. Um, well, I'm... here's here's the... I appreciate very much what she's saying because, and we, we, I I believe I brought this up in a a sermon shortly after one of the shootings. It's easy for white people in the midst of those situations to say, look at every single one of those shootings and here's what the victim was doing wrong. Yeah. You know, Michael Brown robbed a store, resisted arrest. Uh, You've got these other guys who as they're being arrested are resisting and stuff like that. And even if we say that, and even if we fully 100% believe that, which I think is difficult to do. Yeah. Um, but even if we do, I don't know, like it cannot cause the white community to say, we are just going to turn a blind eye and a deaf ear yeah. to a black community which is very very much suffering right now right and whether or not we we see it as unfair treatment whether or not we see it as institutional racism um, whatever we have to be able to mourn with those who mourn even in the it's somebody dying right you know yeah. and so at at, at the very lowest point we have to be able to say this is still a tragedy yeah and uh and and so many churches did not do that and so that i appreciate actually you bringing and her bringing that up that 
you know, we talk about praying for all of these situations and school shootings and, and yeah. everything going on, but we don't we don't pray for the the torment and turmoil that the African American community is going through when these things happen. Right. And not even necessarily the whole community, even the family of the person oh, yeah. that happened to you. Um, I, I, that'll just get me angry and I don't want to get angry. Right. Yeah, well, so. and, and why don't we begin asking the question of, are there things that could be done to keep that from happening again? Yeah. You know? And so, I don't know. When, when they started bringing up all the conversations about wearing a body camera and stuff like that, and there was serious resistance to that. Yeah. And I'm like, why? <laughs> why would we resist accountability for... Everybody should be held accountable in their yeah. work, especially when you have a, a pistol on your hip at all times. And right. so I I don't know. I absolutely we ought we ought to mourn and we ought to be able to reach out to those communities. Um and maybe this is this is kind of getting ahead a little bit, but we have to be able to listen to uh people yeah. who don't think like us. I was I was listening to a sermon this morning on my walk, uh by um, Tim Keller and he was talking about race and he said he was talking to a black friend of his and his friend said what I don't like about white people is that they always feel like their way is the way mm -hmm. and the way that black people do things is different or weird or strange yep but you never hear that about the way that white people do things and so we have to be able to um, empathize with with people who are very very different from us and we have to be able to pay attention to them yeah um this is how this article ended i thought mm -hmm. it was really funny um we were willing to give up our preferred worship styles for the chance to really try to live the vision of beloved community with a diverse group of people that didn't work she, really she then left the church after well, it's, I'm just going to read this. After the election, she left the church because the white congregants cheered Trump winning. They were excited okay. Trump winning. And I'm sure you have stats on this somewhere. The minority people in the church could not understand how they voted for Trump. Right. And instead of having the discussion between the two of, I don't get this, I don't get you, they decided to cheer and kind of build Trump up as almost mm -hmm. a savior um, and thus causing them to say, well, they don't care what I think and leaving the church. You know what my biggest problem with this past election was? Yeah, well, it's... <laughs> <laughs> because this, I, I think that this is one of the cornerstones of this whole yeah. issue of race and how people... Um, believe themselves to be perceived and, and all this kind of stuff. Evangelicalism, and specifically white evangelicalism, at least that I'm seeing, mm -hmm. I think that there is a place for somebody to say, I voted for the Republican because I could not stand the Democrat. Yeah. And I was terrified of what would happen if the Democrat became the president. And I did not like casting the vote for the Republican. <laughs> I think there would be, that would be better received than what the opposite has been, which is I'm going to defend this Republican right. to my death. I'm going to defend, you know, past things that he's done, past things that he's said, past things that he's... Um, said he wanted to do once in office, all this right. kind of stuff. Why can people not just be like, this was a horrible election <laughs> and there was no good way forward, but I guess I'll just go this direction. Pride? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I don't know. And they don't want their party to look bad. I don't, I don't know why anyone in the church has a political party. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense to me but on some level i i completely agree with you but i mean i we can talk about politics another time that's not <laughs> that's not important 
Yeah, so I kind of got us off a little bit. No, there. that's fine. <laughs> I, I brought up the president. So. <laughs> but it, it is interesting. I wonder how how much greater that divide was made between um, white people and black people, and specifically in the church, white people and black people, um, after that election. Those yeah. would be interesting statistics to see. Yeah. Hmm. So... Okay, I, th I think that we can see that there is a divide um, in our country. I, I think that we do live in a very racialized um, society with some racism as well. Um, let's, let's talk a little bit about the church then. Okay. Uh, the church in our culture... Obviously, I, there's, there's so many reasons that racism is contrary to the gospel, yeah. contrary to the Bible. Um, I know you, you had some Bible verses. You want to speak to that a little bit? Just about, is that what your Bible verses were about? Like, what does the Bible say about racism? Bible doesn't say anything about racism. Well, uh, <laughs> I mean, like, think of all of the, the years that are encompassed in the Bible. Right. The biggest like difference in people you get are like Jews and Greeks. Yeah. And like then, so basically Jews and non Jews. Right, right. Yeah. Like it's it's I I guess you can go like Israel and right. all the little territories they took over. Little territories, some of them are anyways. But the Bible does get into how we ought to treat all people. Right. Um the the first one I have written down, first Corinthians twelve, thirteenth. Thirteenth? Mm -hmm. 13 uh for in one spirit we are baptized into one body jews and greeks slaves are free and we all and all were made to drink of one spirit um which i mean if it only talks about jews and greeks right and then there's your verse that says we're all in one spirit so who cares absolutely um i shouldn't say who cares that's almost kind of ah, it's fine and at that point it's it's not so much about race it's more about ethnicity yeah it's about which there's a whole nother direction <laughs> yeah. that can be gone that Emerson and Smith actually get into this this racial construct that has really been built in America. Yeah. Um, that most other places in the world don't have a concept of race. They have a concept of ethnicity. Mm -hmm. um, but you look at passages like 1 Corinthians 12 and they're saying regardless of ethnicity, regardless of uh, social status, regardless of all these things... There's still one body, and there's still one worship, right. um, and so we find unity in that. Absolutely. I think that's a great passage. Um, another one I have, because I always like to balance a New Testament one with an Old mm -hmm. Testament passage. In Leviticus 19.34, this is when God was saying, this is what you do. Right. This is, this is um, you shall treat the strangers who so sojourn with you as the native among you, and you shall love him as yourself. For you were strangers in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. Hmm. Um, so I feel as if there's any talk of race in the church at all, they should just point to this and be like, right. I mean, even ends and, with, and I am the Lord your God. <laughs> that's so clear. I mean, that you you hear the, the greatest commandment that when Jesus is talking about it, love the Lord your God right. and love your neighbor as yourself. Well, who's your neighbor? What story does he give? He gives the story of the Good Samaritan yep. and people who hated other people because of their uh, national upbringing, you know, their ethnicity, yeah, uh, basically. And he's saying, this is your neighbor. And so I, I love that passage in Leviticus because it's just saying, just love everybody as yourself. Yeah. Um, I, I appreciate that that little part is added in there because loving people is such a... It's a, you know, we, we can treat people decently right, and think that we're loving them. But when it says love them as yourself, then that makes it a little more intense. Yeah. Hmm. Good stuff. Yeah, ab absolutely. I think that those passages are uh, super important for the life of the church today. Um, do you believe then, this is kind of a difficult question especially sure. considering our context here in hayworth um should racial divide be acceptable in the church <laughs> so, 
So, is it okay for there to be largely white congregations, if not uniformly white congregations, mm -hmm. and uniformly black congregations? Is that, in God's eyes, do you believe that's a good thing? Or in God's eyes, do you think God sees that and, like, weeps about it? Um, I, I would say that he would weep about that. Now, you're kind of constrained. Like, if you take Hayworth, for right. example, <laughs> that's 99.9% .9 white. Um, I, I feel as if, if your church is less than what your average is for your town or area or whatever... I feel as if you're not you're doing an injustice at that point. Right. Um, if it's on par, that's good. If it's over, fantastic. So um, it ought to reflect. It shouldn't be any worse than your right. average in, of your area. Right. Um. Which. Wait in Hayworth, it's fine. But uh. <laughs> which I think I think our church does has the above the average. Yeah. Which isn't much, but <laughs> right. Uh, Our Latino community actually, right, between Ed and Oscar, <laughs> we are thriving. Um, but I mean, it's I don't know. I I, I don't know. Um, I think on some level it gets down to attitude as well. Right. So, what is the cause of a a, a congregation being? so homogenous so you know um is it because there's so so take new horizon for okay. an example if people if um a black family came to our church and said my goodness this worship is far different from what i experienced in bloomington at our old church yeah and we were to say sorry <laughs> you know what i mean yeah then I think there's a major problem. Yeah. Um, and I think that comes back to that idea of, well, this is just the way it's supposed to be instead right. of saying there's multiple ways that it can be. Um, but instead, if we were to reach out to that family and say, I'd, I'd like to know more about that, I would like to know um, what would make you as a believer of Jesus Christ feel more welcome here and, even in things going on in our service and yeah. stuff like that, there's a big difference between not having, um, uh, not having that where, where all the different races are coming together, um, because of location versus because of attitude. Yeah. Um, and I think here at New Horizon, if that did happen and someone came up and said, Hey, why aren't we doing that? I mean, I, I don't think there would be very many people who wouldn't be open to right. hearing their concerns. I, mean, I would absolutely hope not. Um, if there is. We got work to do. Right. That's a nice um, way of saying what you were about to say. I wasn't going to say anything. I was going to say <laughs> things are things are great. Um, so then what do we do as a church? Because... We, we read something like Revelation 7. I'm guessing that's probably one of the passages that you have written down as well, where the Apostle John gets a vision of heaven and says, After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, with palm branches in their hands, etc., etc., mm. worshiping God. Yep. So you've got people from different languages different tribes so de different ethnicities all this kind of stuff worshiping together mm -hmm. i have a feeling that worship will probably not be white evangelical worship what because Wh what no we are not exactly the majority in the world <laughs> <laughs> people experience worship in far different right. ways but the the idea is that there's all these people worshiping together and we ought to, on earth, I, I strongly believe this, we ought to try our best to reflect heavenly worship. Yeah. You know, the, the way that worship is going to be happening for all eternity, we ought to be trying to find opportunities to prepare ourselves for that. So, what do we do in Hayworth, Illinois? I mean, if, 
if we are very restricted in our community mm-hmm. to um to having kind of the 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 ethnic or racial makeup that we have how do we seek that out to be able to still have some of that mixed worship where where people who are very unlike one another are still coming together to worship um be intentional on getting outside of your comfort zone okay um that sounds I'm okay with that. I was going to say that sounds kind of rude. I'm 100% okay with that statement. Oh, absolutely. Uh, um, so, like, I mean, you have to get outside of your comfort zone. Like, if you come if you come to church on Sunday mornings, it's the same thing every week. I, does, is that really what God wants? Right. Like, you going through the motions, singing the same six songs or however many songs you sing. Right. Um, is I mean, we can, we can get into this a different time about right. the... American church becoming like a show, not, yeah, not, not even, but anyways, we'll get past that. It's another topic for another day. Um, I have a question for you. Oh no. As a, as a pastor, uh-huh. as a leader in the church, um, and this has nothing to do with you being a leader of the church. Why are <laughs> professing, professing Christians so eager to push back against abortion or even homosexuality, but stay silent on the topic of racism? I think number one, um, it is it, part of it is what you mentioned already that it's an attitude, okay. and so things like homosexuality and um, abortion, especially abortion, right. we have hard numbers mm-hmm. that we can say here is the evidence of this going on in the world. Okay. Um, you know, here's the number of abortions that Planned Parenthood. Um, you know, did this past year. Sorry, right. my wife just waved at me through the window. Um, and so we we feel very um, free to speak out about against that. Right. Um, racism, however, is very difficult to see, uh, especially in a culture where you're only around like-minded people. Okay. And so um, I think that for many Christians and probably many church leaders, uh, if they saw these huge examples of of racist activities and things like that, they would speak out against them, but they don't necessarily think to because they can't read people's minds. Okay. Uh, and because they can't... I don't know. It's... It doesn't seem like it's as physical of a thing that we can look out and see it's more that we see the effects of it does that make sense yeah and so that does not let church leaders off the hook right uh absolutely i in fact i think that's why church leaders ought to be paying attention to what's going on in the world yeah um to be able to speak out against these um these examples of of racism and racialization that we do see in the world um, it just doesn't come quite as naturally, I guess. Okay. It it doesn't seem as evident until something big happens. I feel like abortion is always on my mind. Yeah. Like I'm always keenly aware that there are children in the womb who are being put to death. Yeah. It's a lot more difficult sometimes for me to look out in our community and see evidence of racism. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. That's a good answer. It's kind of a cop out too, though. It's... <laughs> All right, our next sermon series is just going to be dealing with race and. <laughs> yeah, I. Church leaders have not done great when it comes to racism. Um, it's been really encouraging for me. Again, this kind of gets back into the political realm somewhat. Yeah. Um, when you look at like the Southern Baptists who uh, historically have been seen in the United States as being more racist, being more uh, homophobic, you know, all of these kinds of things. Mm -hmm. And now they're starting to get uh, some of their biggest name speakers. You've got guys like David Platt, um, Russell Moore, John Piper, Matt Chandler, these guys who are 
not exactly ashamed <laughs> to go out and and preach um, about the horrors of racism. And so I'm I'm pretty encouraged by that. Mm-hmm. I was hugely discouraged when Russell Moore was not uh, picking a political candidate to support. Yeah. And a lot of the Southern Baptist churches actually wanted to kick him out of his position <laughs> because of that. I was highly discouraged by that. But I don't know. We we still have a lot of room for improvement in the church. Yeah. I so here's here's I guess another question coming drawing back to the church. So you said we've got to be able to get out of our comfort zone. Right. We got to be able to be around people who are not like us. Mm-hmm. Um and and on some level I would say even find comfort in those right. situations. Uh so maybe it's more of expanding our comfort mm-hmm. zone. Um and then we talked some about it it probably does need to be spoken about from the pulpit. Yeah. Um, it needs to be spoken about in um, life groups and, you know, there has to be conversation talking about some of these big right. issues in the world. Um, I think that the go-to for a lot of white evangelicalism is if, if we're looking and saying we want to desegregate, our go-to answer is generally, well, let's go serve then. Yeah. Well, and and that's a good thing, I right. think. But there's got to be more than just that. Especially yeah. when it comes from a position of we are the ones in privilege. Um, you know, we're we're the ones who have the money, who have the so let's go serve those who don't have. Yeah. Um, and while there is a place for that, I don't know, I feel like I'm getting all wrapped up in my words and not saying what I'm trying to say. Um, it is so easy to fall into a place of pride. Yeah. I mean, it goes back to the inf- inferiority. Right. You feel that you're superior to them, so you have to help them. Right. Um, which goes back to my definition of racism. Exactly. <laughs> and so that's clearly not what we want. Right. We want to be able to serve people of every race, of every language, you know, regardless, because we're called to love people. And so... I don't know. There's there's got to be more than just this attitude of, well, I guess I should go serve people because I have all this stuff and they don't have it. And so but I don't again, I don't know what that looks like. I, I know that part of it is listening to people from the other side of the aisle. Yeah. I, I mean, it try to live life with them is when I would it right. down to try to get that community as much as you can. I mean, there's obviously constraints to that, but. Are there really, like, is there really that many constraints right. to it? Um, yeah, I'm not I'm not 100% sure. I did write down that racial reconciliation without understanding the gospel is a temporary patch on a massive hole yeah. in your life when dealing with the issue. So if you don't have the gospel, if you don't understand the gospel especially, like, you, you're, you won't get it. Right. Um, which I think, if you take it outside of the church, it's not a surprise that it's there. Um, oh, yeah. It doesn't surprise me at all, but inside the church is where I'm just like, come on, guys, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, I think we have to be, in our in our culture and in our society right now, the temptation is always going to be to listen to people like us, yeah. listen to people that we agree with, go to church with people that we, you know, may disagree on some very unimportant things, Right. Um, but mostly people are going to be just like us. Um, We have to get out of that bubble and start, I don't know, like following on Twitter something. Yeah. Following podcasts of people who have a different perspective. And when shootings like Michael Brown's shootings happen, not to say, well, I'm just going to listen to Rush or I'm just going to listen to Hannity or, you know, whoever, but be able to say, all right, I'm going to cross the aisle on this one. Yeah. I want to hear maybe what some very, very well-respected black pastors, black theologians are saying about this. Because there's guy you, you think of Thabiti or H.B. Charles Jr., um, you know, you know, some of these guys that we were able to see it together for the gospel. I absolutely want to hear their perspective on that stuff. Yeah. Um, and, and to hear 
I guess, what is their perception of what's happening? Because I guarantee you it's going to be a lot different from mine sitting here in Hayworth, Illinois. <laughs> yeah. Um, and they have written about it, so by all means, check yes, your stuff they out. Have. There uh, are a <laughs> lot of really good articles and a lot of really good um, theological treatments Right. Of, of some of these issues that, that we ought to be paying attention to. I, I think that probably at the core of all of this is there has to be humility. Yeah. There has to be an awful lot of humility in saying, you know, maybe the way that I see everything is not always going to be the right way. And not even that, understanding that, um, especially in the church, you're saved by grace. Yep. There's, there's nothing, there's no reason why, like, there's nothing you can do to yeah. save yourself. So then why would you treat somebody like, they, yep. especially with the black community, like, they need to get themselves out of there. Right. But um, it's, it's rough. Well, and I think that the gospel is, and this is the point you were making, the gospel is the foundation of getting out of a racist or racialized mentality. Because exactly what you were saying, if we all believe that everybody is created in the image of God, that everybody is sinful, and that everybody requires grace to be saved, mm -hmm. there is no room to have a different view of the opposite gender. There is no room to have an, uh, a terrible view of another race or another social status we are all very much on the same level there yes um and so i i think we have to constantly be reminding ourselves of that truth because it's easy to overlook right i guess that's the very definition of pride <laughs> <laughs> so that's why humility is required i don't know what else you got you got any other um questions or thoughts for us to ponder i just have a list of seven symptoms of racism oh that people think of okay i like it um it, i'm gonna give this guy credit because i didn't write these because you wouldn't want to know my seven symptoms <laughs> uh his name is asher whitmer whitmer okay w-i-t-m-e-r uh, he's really a christian familiar. blogger okay so you probably have come across some of this um First symptom, and feel free to jump in here. Okay. I think racism isn't an issue for us. Okay. Um, which I had a Facebook post about that with a guy when we were at for the gospel. When a guy. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> oh, exactly. I was so angry. Uh, <laughs> but. Uh, so well, not seeing the problem at all. Right. And saying it's, 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 it's a problem for them over there, not for me. Right. Right. Um, which, if we are the church... It's going to be a problem for everyone. People on Facebook disagree. Um, <laughs> I say or think that's typical for... And then fill in the blank mm. of an ethnicity. Um, which... We've all probably done that at some point. Right. Um, whether it's... Whether we realize it or not. Well, it's the, it's the whole, uh, I don't know, the, the scenario where you're walking down an alley or something like that, and what ethnicity, what race of person would you want walking in the alley with you? You yeah. know, you, you see a stranger, if, if they're black, then maybe you have a little bit different of a um, response than you would if they were white. Right. And so... That that is an extension of what you're saying. This well, that's this is typical of yep. You know this culture. Okay. Um, I have it paused to consider the enter the name of the ethnicity history of America, let alone take time to learn it. So with that, especially America, you get into a lot of like Native American history. Yeah. How much do we really know? Oh yeah. I, very little for me, I can tell Asian you that. Asian American, right? Um, Latinos, I mean, they right. played a big part in American history. So Matt um, Chandler was making that point actually, and he and he one of his sermons, and he asked the question, "How many 
black historical figures can you name as opposed to how many white historical right. figures can you name? And so, um, you know, really we, we have a handful of maybe five to 10, mm-hmm. if we're lucky, African-American historical figures that we can name and say, here's what they've done for our country. Yeah. So to have a better, I, I fully agree. All right. Um, another thing, whenever I discuss anything cultural with someone of another ethnicity, they get frustrated or completely quiet. Say that one again. Whenever I discuss anything cultural with someone of another ethnicity, they get frustrated or completely quiet. So they just shut down. Hmm. Um, which I think, I think with this symptom, he's saying that we can go back to the election thing mm-hmm. when people would talk good about the president people who disagreed were just like well i'm in the minority here right me saying nothing is just going to make them mad right um which I, I assume that's where he's going with that so people feel a little bit silenced right yep um number five i can't figure out why people don't just quote unquote get it together so that gets into the question of what is causing Right. racialization what is causing this divide between and i thought it was so interesting in david platt's thing at together for the gospel where he's just mentioning how white people white evangelicals view the problem and how black evangelicals view right. the problem um black people largely believe that there is systemic um racism yeah. in our laws and our opportunities all that kind of stuff um, white people largely feel that it's the res- the personal responsibility of each individual person. Right. And we could probably agree it's somewhere in the middle. Right. Um, there's probably a lot of truth in both of those things. Okay. Um, number six, we don't have leaders in our church who are of other ethnicities, which you see a lot of that in a lot of mega yeah. churches. Um, that's not, very true. Not all mega churches. I'm sure there's some somewhere, but everyone I've ever seen. Yeah. But. Yeah, that's very true. Okay. Um. Those in my church of other ethnicities than myself don't ever talk about racism with me. Hmm. So they're unwilling to have any sort of conversation. I, I don't know if he means that or if he means they don't start the conversation. Huh. Interesting. Yeah, I'll be thinking about that one a little bit. Okay. Um, that, that was seven. Oh, that was the seventh one. Man. So, there's probably a, a personal call on all of us. Right. Regardless of race. Mm-hmm. Um, to, to check ourselves. Yep. Um, to, to recommit ourselves to humility, to... Um, being around people who are different from us, and and it's more than just that; it's valuing yeah, um, people who are very different from us as well. Um, oh, I just thought of something before we close this. What what do you think? Because you mentioned this earlier. What do you think about the idea of people saying, "Well, I'm just colorblind. I don't see race. I don't." First of all, everybody does, right? Um, so what are your thoughts on? On that being the answer to racism. It's definitely not the answer to racism. Right. <laughs> uh, I, I honestly believe there are some people who do not see race. Yeah. I, it's not as many people who say that. Right. Um, but I, it's, I mean, that's just a joke. Like, it, it is. Um, and I think it was David Platt mentioned it in his sermon, uh, Together for the Gospel, that the people who say that are the ones who take away all the cultural stuff yeah. from them. So then they see them as themselves. They see them as whatever race they are, right. whatever upbringing they had. And it, I mean, come on now, people are different. Right. And those differences ought to be celebrated. Right. Uh, that's, that's one of the biggest problems maybe with this entire conversation is that Oftentimes, we really try to downplay those differences instead of being able to say that a lot of the um, 
a lot of the history of why people are the way they are is a powerful history. Yeah. Um, and so we ought to be looking for opportunities to celebrate um, the differences that, that people have and why they are the way they are. Um, instead of just saying, no, we need to be this one way and we need to have everybody be this way. And it's always the people in power, yeah. the people in the majority who are saying that. Yeah. So, well, it's convicted me. I need to talk more about it from the pulpit. <laughs> uh, but I, I think there's a lot of good there and I think it's good to have these conversations periodically and, um, and just see where where other people are coming from so and i think it's much more than what we just discussed here yeah well what do we have like 40 minutes to right 50 minutes oh man each week we just keep pushing it a little longer so um did you have anything else that you'd like to say about it um no not really all right me neither well we do want to uh Make sure that if you have any questions, if you're listening to this and you do have any questions or feedback, um, you can let us know why we were both terribly wrong on all of this. <laughs> we did our superheroes one, and then our youth pastor, Oscar, told us that he disagreed with both of us on the majority of what we said, which was funny to me because we disagreed on things. <laughs> and so he apparently took a third stance. But we would love feedback um, on, on what what you think and and if we overstepped any bounds anything like that um but if you do have any feedback any questions that you'd like us to discuss here on the podcast uh please do email us at what's that pod all one word what's that pod at gmail.com and uh we'll be back within the next week or two i would say um to talk about something probably a lot more lighthearted for our next one and more I don't want to say more. And super awesome. We are now on iTunes. We are on iTunes. So if it's easier for you to use a podcast app, by all means, we are on iTunes. Search What's That Podcast on iTunes. I believe we are the first result. We're the only ones with that name. Right. And and there's like a picture of a microphone that says What's That Podcast all right. in white. Uh, so do feel free to click that and subscribe. Um, because that's a way that you can actually get notifications and things right. like that when we post new podcasts. And so. leave a review, please. Oh, yeah. I need to do that. I haven't uh, done that. I don't know. I'll give us a one-star review. <laughs> this is garbage. Like, I love that Ernie guy, but um, who's the other and one? And also, don't mind this guy talking after we're done. That's just... Is know, that... <laughs> there's just a guy, a random guy. I don't, even, I don't even know his name. But it's for the, the new thing we're using so we can get put on iTunes. And oh, is that for the program? Yeah, 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 oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening. We, we very much appreciate you, and uh, we do hope to hear some feedback from you. So we will uh, talk to you all soon. Goodbye. Bye.